Hey everybody, this is Josh Baker with the Make 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 podcast. Uh, today is episode four with Ivy and Dan Meehan with Twindever. Uh, they have a podcast called Local, and we're going to be talking uh, COVID, uh, business, uh, kind of how we all got started, and how our businesses have changed uh, over the lifespan of of our of the things that we do. So, hope you all enjoy. Uh, this kind of a dual uh, podcast. They're recording me, I'm recording them, and we're going to be hosting it on on each other's site. So, uh, it's it's a really fun listen with some really sharp people. So hope you all enjoy. Hi, hello, howdy. My name is Ivy Meehan. And I'm Dan Meehan. And we're with Twindever, host of Local, the podcast. So my name is Josh Baker. Uh, my podcast is called the Make, Make, Make podcast. Dueling podcasts? Yeah, dueling, yeah, it's kind of dueling podcast. Yeah, it's like dueling pianos, but with less talent. So that's good. <laughs> uh, for me, this will be my fourth episode. I know y'all a little bit ahead of me, but I'm doing my best to catch up. Oh, this is our fourth too. Oh, look at that. Look at that synchronicity. I know. Yeah. Well, we did like a bonus episode, COVID-19 episode. It was like three and a half, but no, we'll call this our fourth episode. Do you want to start asking questions? You want me to start? I can go. Um, I guess start off telling us the genesis of Azulox. That's a big question. But so basically, yeah. So Azulox Visuals is my company. Um, started it 11 years ago. It, you know, in some ways, it's kind of fitting that we're talking about this now. My company was actually started um, as a result of the depression recession we had in 2008, 2009. Um, so I've always been somewhat of a creative, I guess. Uh, but at the time I'd been working for, um, very much a corporate office. So I was in an office doing Excel spreadsheets, uh, looking at financial statements, uh, for, uh, ERCOT, which is, uh, controls a power grid for the state of Texas. Um, and then I got laid off, and then the guy that laid me off got laid off, and then the company that I work for, I work for a consulting firm, it ceased to exist. Um, and so a lot of what I had to learn to get my business started are skills that I'm having to use now. Um, you know, we get the question of like, oh, should I specialize or should I generalize? Um, literally, I just had a one-on-one coaching session with somebody about this yesterday, and I was like, you know, um, my business probably would have had a higher ceiling if I specialized and just did one thing. But because I've generalized, um, I'm really hard to kill. Um, and so as any one segment of what I do maybe goes away for a time, I can pick it up with other things that I do. So, um, you know, I, I think to each their own. But for me, um, you know, I'm, I'm a photographer who shoots a lot of different things, uh, weddings, commercial, product, cars, underwater, right? We do a lot of different things. And so that, that's made us very hard to kill. Um, but you know, it might've limited our upside in some areas, you know, we're not the number one in maybe anything, but you know, we're top 10 in a lot of things. So I don't know if that's great business advice, but it's worked for us. I always say that I'm mediocre at a lot of things and not superb at anything in particular. (laughs) I do want to get into COVID-19 and how it's affecting your business and your industry. Uh, it's obviously the giant elephant in the room that we can't really avoid. And, uh, especially when talking to small business owners, but you, photograph so many different people, different settings, different costumes, different styles. You photographed us in so many different um, settings and situations. So did you start that way as a photographer, shooting lots of different um, styles and uh, and settings? Or is it just weddings? Or what were the early days like of Asulox? Yeah, so it's, it's actually, you know, somewhat interesting. Um, my, my original 
goal was I wanted to shoot for Sports Illustrated. You ever open Sports Illustrated and they have those like two magazine folds where it's like this really crazy sports moment, like the ping pong ball is like in place of the eye because that's just the moment that was caught. And I was always fascinated by those. So actually sports photography is what I started doing probably the most. Um, That was the business that allowed me to kind of keep going. So I was shooting marathons, ultra marathons, ultra triathlons, you know, 100 mile bike rides. Um, I was doing a lot of that as a way to, uh, to pay the bills. I specifically didn't shoot weddings for the first probably three years. Um, yeah, because I started in 2009. My first wedding was really 2011. So yeah, about three years. I didn't shoot them because I just I didn't feel confident that I could do them the way I wanted to do them yet. And until and until I felt that way, I, I stayed away from them. Um, but I shot, you know, a lot of portraits, and we did a lot of um, just a whole bunch of different things, trying to figure out what I did like doing. Um, there was definitely some things I, I, I found out that I I don't ever want to shoot again. Uh, newborns for one of them. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and you can't say I shoot babies, right? That's not the right thing to say. Um, but yeah, I, I had a couple of bad experiences. I was like, well, I'll try it. You know, people willing to give me some money, I'll try it. Um, and it ended really, really poorly. Yeah, um, our newborns were awful to take photos of. God bless whoever shoots them because that's 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 a whole special skill that you, you just need a lot more patience. It's also the reason I don't really shoot landscapes. I don't have the patience. I'm, I'm For those that know me, I'm kind of hyperactive. I run around a lot. I have trouble sitting still. And uh, landscapes, the mountains just never pose for me the way I want them to. And so, that you know, I just I need things that can move and are, are, are very kinetic. Um, but it's interesting because I shot so many sports, that became my network, right? So a lot of my first weddings were of runners and triathletes and people in that industry. Um, and so I started also running marathons at that time. Um, and so I, I, I run with rogue running. Um, I coached for them and did some other things. And so I've been their official photographer since 2007, actually, which is kind of crazy. Um, and so I can literally trace like 20 to 25% of my business to referrals or in some way connected through rogue, because that was the community that knew me as the, the photo guy. Right. So I wasn't the best photographer in Austin, but I was I was the one that that network knew. And so that led to a lot of my early weddings, a lot of my early corporate gigs, just a lot of everything. And they were I would always kind of beta test with them. I would try out new things and, you know, everybody had a pretty good response. We still shoot a lot of rogue uh, people, weddings and, you know, different events for them. So. You know, one of the things I stress to people at the beginning where they're starting out and I'm in like year 11 um, is, you know, find your network, right? Find that creative network, find that business network and get plugged in. You don't have to be the best photographer. You just have to be the best in your network, right? I don't have to compete with people, you know, that are outside my network because they don't know them anyway, right? So. So now you have that network, you're an established business, but from what I've seen in our interactions, you're still doing a lot of the photography and visuals, and I know you have help and people working with you, but how do you find that balance between still being a big part of the creative and running, you know, the everyday administrative pieces of the business? That's an interesting point. So I, I, I like that question because I'm not the best photographer. I honestly, I know people that are way more talented on the photography side than I am. But they don't get to do photography because they had very little business sense. And I know people that are in the photography business that have amazing business sense, but their photos aren't that great. So they don't really get a lot of of work because it's not exciting. 
And so I really feel like I'm a pretty good blend of pretty good business sense and pretty good artistic sense. Um, and I can kind of straddle in between and kind of talk natively in both groups. And so that's allowed me to kind of do both. But also some of it is just knowing what you what you what you aren't. Um, I am not a bookkeeper. I don't want to be a bookkeeper. I am not an accountant, nor do I want to be an accountant. Um, and so I had to make enough money to pay people to do those things for me because I, I absolutely did not want to be that person. Um, you know, but like other things though, like marketing, um, networking, honestly, those are some of the most important things that a business owner can do, right? I don't think that it's a great idea to sub out your, your Instagram. Who knows your story better than you? Who knows who knows your market better than the person at the top? So, mm-hmm. you know, there are some things I absolutely do sub out. Um, but most of it, you'd be surprised at how much I do myself. But the bookkeeping, the accounting, that was the first thing. Like in the first year, I was like, nope, that's going out to somebody else. Um, but like I still do all my own editing I because that's how I learn. So I if for photography, right, we, we shoot and then we develop. Well, if you take out the developing you're losing that feedback loop. You never go back and look and be like, oh, that was dumb. I shouldn't have shot it that way. And so I can attribute my continual improvement over the years through the fact that I kept that loop closed with doing my own editing, doing my own workflow. Now, I'm very fast at it now, um, but it's an expense that I never had to pay. I know some people whose business model is predicated on them outsourcing everything, and that's fine. But for me, uh, to, to continually improve... Um, not closing that, you know, keeping that open where I'm still doing my own editing and image review, um, I think has been very important. Um, also good software. So we use, um, you know, some really, really critical pieces of software that allow us to work efficiently. Um, one of them for us is 17 hats. Uh, it's a, um, invoicing and scheduling and, uh, signing contracts and having templates and all these different things. And so it allows me very quickly to send over a contract, get it signed, send an invoice, set up payments through Square, and it connects with my QuickBooks. It connects with Google Calendar. And it's that kind of office middleware that allows me to access whatever I need, whenever I need it quickly. So, you know, for me to create a contract, send it out and send an invoice, I can do that in less than five minutes. Um, and so, you know, being efficient with that sort of thing and having those kind of tools, the right tools. I don't think you need to chase every piece of glitter, you know, but finding those those core pieces of software, um, I think are really huge. The other thing for me is Zenfolio. Um, we've been a Zenfolio client since 2009, and that's where we host all of our photos. Um, and they've always kind of, they, they started about the same time, a little before I did, but, you know, we've kind of grown together, um, and they have continually iterated. And that's one of the things that attracted me uh, to keep them as my, my image provider is that, they were always every quarter they came out with something new and better and they were just no huge improvements but every quarter got a little better got a little better got a little better and i kind of saw myself in them where i was just trying to get a little better every 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 quarter instead of trying to make these huge quantum leaps which i don't really think are a thing um you know overnight successes usually take about 20 years um (laughs) you know so you know just trying to get a little better every day is i think a, a much easier way um, than trying to make these huge jumps. I, you know, and I, I come from a running background, right? If you're training for a marathon, you can't just go from zero to marathon, right? You have to go from six mile long run, eight mile long run, 10 mile long run, then take a step back, then do 10 mile, then do 12, then do 14, then take a step back, right? So you kind of have to have this, that's, that's always been in my nature to have these kind of slow, long builds towards a bigger goal. 
Um, you know, I'd also say that success is boring, right? It's just doing the same good things every day and, and not expecting those huge immediate returns, knowing that the reward is in, is in the long term, not necessarily in the, in the short term. So that's maybe that. Well, yeah. And risk taking is always more exciting. Right. Right. And I think that's, I think that's a danger of like shiny new software or shiny new gear or shiny new anything, right? It's, you know, oh, well, this one thing will, once I have this, then I'll be happy. Once I have this, then I'll be successful. And that's just absolutely not the case. Like a lot of times when people would see what cameras and lenses I was using, and they would honestly be surprised that it wasn't the like top end pro gear. Um, most of them that because I spent my money on lighting and I became known, for, you know, I think people know me for my lighting more than anything else. Um, and so, you know, I'd rather spend money on a new light than a new lens. Um, but you know, they were just always surprised at what gear I was using. Cause I would just, my goal was just to make it work. DI background, right? Just, just make it work instead of having to have the best at any one thing. I, I don't think most people can tell the difference, right? If it sounds great, but the content's terrible, does it matter? Right. Nobody's going to listen if the content's terrible, right? But if the content's good, they'll put up with, you know, maybe an A minus mic instead of an A plus. I couldn't help but think of your sentiment in the eyes of, through the eyes of an actor, I guess. It's like a lot of people say that the audio or the lighting is messed up. It really affects their viewing experience of a movie. But as a filmmaker, it's the story and the characters that can make or break a movie for me. And you mentioned like being a business owner, doing everything from shooting the photos, editing the photos, getting the photos out sending out invoices you're learning as you go you use that process as a learning and i think as 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 an actor doing different jobs on set also helps you become a better actor or a better director and you also have a little bit more control over the final outcome as an actor it's like you you kind of lose a lot of that control when you walk off set and you hand everything over to the editor to make decisions but and the part i liked was about good software i mean you talk about 17 hats that really saves you so much time and so much effort. I'm not that familiar with it, but it sounds very <laughs> familiar with what we're talking about with our clients is just streamlining efficiency and automation and things like contracts and invoices and email and just simple documentation that takes a lot of time when you're doing it manually. And part of our solution is not just putting a website for you, but if somebody's submitting a form on your website, pushing that all into a database and a CMS that uh, can all collect together and become something you can access in one place and, and push to other areas of your business. I think talking about the software though, the ability to round trip, right? It's not just, can you generate invoice? It's not just, can you send a contract, but does the thing that sends the contract also know that an invoice is signed and also put it on your calendar, right? It's that connectedness, right? And the custom solution isn't that it's this expensive piece of software. It's just tying together a bunch of different parts so that they work seamlessly, right? So 17 has is just a CRM, right? It's just, but it's designed for photography, but it's a CRM, right? You know, same you know, like Salesforce, right? So once the, once the person's, you know, all their information is entered, you have that through the, through the life cycle of the relationship with your client. And honestly, I don't even probably use it to its fullest potential, but it does so it's so much faster and so much more efficient from what I was using. It's still a huge win for me. Um, yeah, I don't have to, I don't have to reinvent the wheel every time I do it once I save it as a template and then I have it. Every yeah, time there's I need so many it. things yeah. out there you can do. For example, yeah. just an anecdote, we set up a website for a client and he wanted to get a sense of traffic and where things were coming from. So I thought, okay, that's easy. I'll just set up a data dashboard for him. I did that. It was live. So anytime he checked the link on the dashboard, he could see what was happening. But turns out 
wasn't a fan of a data dashboard, unlike myself. So I um, had asked, you know, can you just write this up in an email and summarize it in bullet points for me every week? I said, yes, I'll do that. Um, a week or two later, when I was manually doing this, I said, there's got to be a way to automate this. So did some research, stitched some tools together and was able to set up a way to still get the data out of Google Analytics, embed it dynamically in a Google Doc, turn that Google Doc into a PDF and email it to him every week. And once I set that up, it was automated and it looked like I was <laughs> doing this work every week and it's cost efficient and it and it works out for everybody. Sure. Well, and I think I think you bring up an interesting point too, you know, asking about my business and you know, how am I able to survive this time? Part of it is that I was never in debt. I I I was never I was never in red. I was always in black. Um we never spent money that I, you know, I never spent money that I didn't have. Um and, you know, that caused me to struggle sometimes, sure. Um, but it also kept me safe. I don't owe people anything. I don't, I mean, they're, they're photos, obviously. But, like, I don't, there's there's no, like, I don't have to, all my equipment's paid for. All of my expenses are covered. And there's, I don't have a loan payment on anything. I don't have any any debt. And I never had debt. Um, and because of that, you know, it, it might have started me off slower but there's so many photographers and there's, so, there's just, not even photographers, just business owners that when they're starting, they think they need the best of everything right now. And, you know, they put it on their credit card or they take out a loan. Well, now that loan owns you. Right. So instead of making a dollar, you have to make a dollar and 10 cents or a dollar and 20 cents to cover that note or to cover that loan or to cover that interest payment. And a lot of people, if they hit one little bump of the road, they can't cover it. And so, I mean, you're seeing that now. I mean, how many businesses are going out of business because they don't have any reserves? You know, how many businesses rely on, you know, their next client to pay their bills and never put anything away? Um, or they have debt payments that they, they can't get out from underneath. Honestly, I could go two months without working and I'd be okay. Um, I don't have any payments to anybody. Um, I have some software that I pay once a year and some subscriptions but if I had to cut those, I could cut those. You know, I think for those people starting out, and I think now's a good time, right? Now, we're, right now, we're in what I would consider a bad time. So what are you doing now to prepare for the good time? Can you streamline your business now so that when you have good times, you can reap more of the benefit, right? What can you cut now? And if you, and if you know you can cut it now, you know you can cut it when the times are good, right? But now the flip side of that is when the times are good, what are you doing to prepare for the bad? Right. When the times are bad, you know, when the times are good, are you just living high on the hog or are you putting some money away? Are you taking care of some debt obligations? Are you doing those things that just, you know, just are you being savvy about, right? The markets go up, markets go down, right? Business goes up, business goes down. That roller coaster makes it hard for some people, right? Starting a business, right? Y'all just started a business in the last year, right? It's a, it's a roller coaster, right? Dan, you kind of work for a startup. Has it been a roller coaster? Yeah, I mean, we were a startup a long time ago, but we've been an established business for over a decade now. But yeah, I mean, suddenly it's a, a huge dip in terms of a roller coaster because our business is pretty heavily reliant on live events happening. And so that's dried up our revenue here in the short term. But I mean, we're looking at ways to, to pivot and be creative as a business and get other revenue streams just like IVI are at home and changing our personal shopping habits like not doing impulse grocery shopping on impulse yep. grocery sh trips. We're uh, doing things online and being more mindful about what we need. And right. Finding out that we're paying insurance on cars we don't have anymore. <laughs>
I think overall this is a roller coaster, but not to use a term lately. We're going to flatten that roller coaster and the curves on it by just having better habits after this. You know, you have to know, right? You know, what what's actually going to be a value to me and what's going to not be a value to me, right? What's just that shiny new thing? You know, I was looking at places honestly to host the podcast and it was like $15 a month. I'm like, yeah, I'm not that big yet. I don't need that. I'll figure out a better way. And then I was kind of like poking around and looking at, so, I'll, you know, I'm hosting on Patreon right now for a lot of more stuff, patreon.com slash Azulux. Um, and I was looking at doing like live casting and crowdcasting and they're like, oh, we have this thing with crowdcasting. And I started looking at it and I was like, oh, that looks really cool. I don't need all these features though. Oh, and it's 20 bucks a month. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not there yet. They're like, you can also use YouTube live. I was like, I have a YouTube account. I'll just use that for now. And is it maybe the best? I don't know. Probably not. But is it good enough for my clients and the people supporting me to get out and do it? Sure. Is it free? Yeah. And that gets back to the content over quality idea. Right. I feel like as a creative, you always try to kind of reach outside the box or be different, be unique, more unique than the, the, the average photographer out there. What's maybe the craziest thing that you have done as a, as a business owner? Mm. Starting a photography business in 2009. <laughs> <laughs> if it hadn't picked up at the end of year three, my wife was already like sending me like job board links. Like, hey, you need to get a real job. We got, you know, we have kids on the way in this. Like, hey, you, you, you got it. You got to step it up. And honestly, <laughs> having a kid may like I tripled my business the year I had my first child because I had to. So how have you used technology and has it changed at all? during this crisis? Some. So at Precision, I teach, depending on the year, somewhere between like, I don't know, 10 and 15 different topics or like three hour workshops. Um, and a couple of those will be moving online. So I teach some software ones. There's a piece of software called Lightroom and I'll, I'll teach some of those. And then, um, we're also doing free one hour Lightroom, uh, just like Lightroom lunches. Um, and so as a way to kind of trial it out and get people used to doing, doing things that way so that when we introduce the class, it'll feel natural to them. So some of the software based ones, you know, we'll be able to transition to, but you know, like one of my classes was photographing underwater and having mermaids. I don't think I can do that one online, right? Like that's, <laughs> that's, that's not something that translates very well. So, you know, some of the things that, that I think we'll be able to do online and we already do some of this, right? Coaching, you know, mentorship. Uh, image review, um, you know, software training, um, things along those nature we'll be able to do virtually, um, you know, but like lighting, you know, what do you, how do you show people like, hey, move the light here and there? You know, I don't have a, you know, I work from home and I have two kids and <laughs> I don't think I could set that stuff up, you know, where in a way that I could, I could feel good about showing them how to do lighting virtually. Like that just doesn't feel right to me. Yeah. Shifting gears towards COVID-19, what was the tipping point for you this spring? And what does the next 12 months look like for you as a photography business? Yeah, I mean, I think I think the big realization came in when South By was canceled. Now, I didn't have any events for South By. I, I tend to flee Austin when South By comes to town. Um, but once, once that happened, I knew that the, the events that I did have scheduled for corporate clients for weddings, they, they were not going to happen. Um, and in the aftermath, yeah, I mean, we were losing like a client a day for like a week. Um, and what's really going to be interesting, right? So everybody's now kind of planning like, oh, we'll just reschedule for the fall. Well, there's only so many Saturdays in the fall. So then how does that time get rationed out, right? There's me and there's some people that contract with me. 
but they're still just me. So what do you do, right? If if we had 10 scheduled over the you know next 10 months, but now we only have three months to do it, yeah, it's going to, the time we have off now, it's, it's not time off. It's just a time to sleep because come October, November for me, if everything clears up, you know, we're going to be working triple time to kind of get through that. It would be amazing if there was some company out there that had like dynamic pricing software as a way to help wedding venues, especially deal with peak season and like peak dates. Uh, that, that would be, you know, you might want to think about that, Dan. <laughs> yeah, not our target market, but maybe we have to look at that. No, I'm not really kidding. Like wedding venues struggle mightily with pricing and how to auction off their dates is going to be a huge concern for them for the next 12 months. Um, I mean, you're going to have potentially in, in, in Austin, you're going to have F1, ACL, uh, maybe a redo of South by who knows everybody's v- wedding is going to be rescheduled to then that, that, that lost it in the spring. Um, College football, all the sports are gonna be back in. Like, good luck. Like, good, good luck getting a hotel room. Good luck getting your rental chairs. Good luck getting all of that stuff. So, what advice would you give to a business like, I guess, retroactively uh, prior to this crisis? I, I think the businesses that are in trouble are the ones that did things a certain way, and they just did them that way, and that's what they know to do, and that's just what they do. Versus people that are constantly testing a little bit, right? Like. Is this a is this a new path? Is that a new path? Can I try this out? Can I try that out? And not to not not to like miss out on your core market, but you know the ones that are dabbling, you know I think that's those are the ones that succeed. I mean, look at Amazon, right? <laughs> they start off selling books, and now that they're what we watch TV on. Why does Gmail exist from a search company, right? Why does Netflix exist but not Blockbuster? So what are you doing to stay nimble? Mm-hmm. You know what are you doing to prepare, um, and then. You know, what are you going to do when when it does come back, right? When the things come back, what are you going to do to make sure this doesn't happen, right? That's that's why it's good to be a little bit older, right? I've seen it up. I've seen it down. Whereas before, I thought, you know, when I started, it was just always down. I was like, oh, it's just always terrible. Okay. Um, and I think there's people, when, they, when it starts off good, um, they just think it's always going to be good. Um, it's actually weird. The businesses that actually in general, that survived the longest have had major issues in their first six months. And so as part of their company culture, they had to learn how to fix problems. And over the course of their business, it actually has huge improvements versus the people that had smooth sailing for the first six months to a year actually tend to fail faster because as a company, they never learned how to deal with problems. I know that I'm struggling creatively during this period of being homebound. What are you doing to stay nimble? You know, all this anxiety for me is just, um, to the best of my ability, I'm trying to use that as a channel for creativity, right? Anxiety is just energy that doesn't know what to do. And so I'm trying to give it things to do. Uh, because if I sit at home and just read Twitter all day, I, I will be depressed and, and never get off the couch. And so for me, you know, for me, I just, I, I have to move. I, I'm sitting in my chair bouncing right now, you know, so I'm trying to take that anxiety and just channel it into something, right? To, to make something out of it. Um, even a small gain now will be a huge gain later. I really need to take that advice to heart because I wanted to write this script or I wanted to work on this project and I just have just felt so stuck. Well, but yet here you are making a podcast. <laughs> no, true. It doesn't have to be that creative outlet. The creative outlet could be, I'm coming up with new activities for my kids. Ugh, I don't think true. anybody's a hundred percent content right now. Right. I don't, nobody is. Um, so you absolutely need time to process and to recover and to be a little stunned. 
Um, but also to get you out of that stunned, at least for me, I need, I need to do something. Right. Yeah. And so like learning the process of podcasting, um, even though it's been planned for years, it's forced me to like, I was staying up last night, like reading documents on how to do this and how to do it better, you know, so that when it becomes good and I have less time, I'll be efficient at it. Right. So even dabbling and, and, and running what feels like in the mud right now, cause I certainly feel like I'm running in the mud. Um, but eventually the rain will come and kind of wash the mud away and then I'll be able to run fast. Such a hard lesson to learn, but yeah, it's definitely something that makes sense, especially in this world we uh, find ourselves in right now. Yep. Right. So let me, let me flip this around on, on y'all. I feel like I've been doing a lot of talking. Um, so let, let me ask you. So, so my, my podcast basically has three questions, right? It's called the make, make, make podcast for three reasons. It's what do you make? How can you make it either better or more financially improve it? And then how are you making a difference, right? Either for yourself, for your family, or for your community. So the first question is, tell me what y'all are making. I'm going to try to do all three at once. We are making solutions for small, very local businesses. Uh, that could be anything from a website to just advice on how to do certain things like run your email. Uh, and the way we can do it better, we can do it faster, cheaper, and we think at a higher quality than someone who can afford uh, really high end, either WordPress developer or, or software developer in general. Uh, and our impact, I think, is especially at a time like this, uh, expanding the reach of what a very small business can do digitally. And what I like about that, you know, honestly, you know, I think most business tools are aimed at, at not the mom and pop. I think they're aimed at above that, right? Employ, you know, companies with 50 employees or 100 employees. There's not very much software out there designed for five employees or, or one, right? Um, and so I like that, you know, what, you know, you have a, a clear idea of who your target is. Um, the third one, and to me, it's the, it's, it's the most important one is like, how are you using what you make to make a difference? And it doesn't have to be like the social difference. It doesn't have to be the huge D indifference, but like, if you do all this work and nothing changes, probably wasn't worth it. So what, you know, what are you doing to, what are you doing? In what way are you hoping to make a difference with what you're making? How's that? Well, for 15 years, at least, I would say my dad who owns a, a, a small boutique shop uh, had wanted to have an e-com site and procrastination and just the day-to-day -day mundane tasks of, of running two businesses, he, he wasn't able to get it done. And so this pandemic of everybody being at home forced the issue, I guess, forced him to force right. his hand to, uh, to, to get that e-com site up and running. And so that was <laughs> yeah. a big project for us those first few days of this, this kind of self-isolation period. So we just hunkered down and for 48 hours basically mm -hmm. plugged and chugged product getting onto that e-commerce site. And you could just see the wheels turning in both uh, his head and our head, my mom's head, of, of what this could be and how, um, how it can kind of affect business moving forward because this the retail world is, is, has looked completely different than when he started in 1983. Yep. And it's going to look completely different than it, it was even three months ago. It's interesting kind of what y'all said y'all do, but what I, what, I, what I heard you saying and what I think you do are actually two different things. Um, you know, you start off saying, I build websites or we build websites, and we start off, and then we listen to people and figure out what they actually needed. And from my background, what we call that is, we would call that process mapping, right? What do you actually do? What do you need help with? 
I mean, it sounds like you're almost going to be coming a process mapping, uh, you know, process improvement and business coach. I mean, honestly, that kind of seems like where it's going. Like, Right. Every conversation we have with folks is different. So recently we talked to a prospect who's a local nonprofit who has a website and they have members and, and people who donate, but the way they get their funds are through a, a form you download and, and mail in and they're trying to target a younger demographic for those donations and memberships. And so we talked to them about just getting like a, a membership portal or a donate button or a pay your dues button. Even something as simple as that can really streamline uh, small businesses and, and you can do it inexpensively. That's what we're seeking, you know, clients that, that want to do something to change their inefficiencies, but do it on their budget. Yeah. I mean, people don't know what they don't know. And so if they don't even know that they can make improvements, you have to sell them on the idea of you need a new website. But what, what you're really doing is doing an end around and saying, not only do you probably need a new website, but you probably also need some new ways of thinking about the things you do because the markets have changed so quickly. And, and even before all the COVID stuff, right? I mean, 2020 businesses look very different than 2010 businesses. And so if you're still doing something in the 2010 way and you don't even know that things have changed, who, who are going to be those change agents? You know, I would posit that it could be y'all for, you know, people in your network could certainly use, you know, you know, a technology review, right? That would be a great way to come in and say, listen, all we're going to do is just come in. Let's take a look at what talent technology you're using. Let's see if that process still makes sense for what you're doing or if there are better things out there that could either save you time, cost, or both. Yeah, yeah. Right? I, that seems like a huge value. Well, and it's also like... Uh, a fresh set of eyes never hurt anyone, right? Yeah, I mean, I think I think owning a small business is kind of like being in the eye of an ever-present hurricane, right? It's calm to us, and to the outside, it looks like chaos. And you kind of have this inability to see past the eye of the storm. And I, I think every—why did Michael Jordan need a coach? Because he wanted to get better, right? Was he a really good basketball player? Absolutely. Did he still need a coach? Absolutely. Right. So e even people at the top of their game still need coaching. They still need to get better. They still need training. They still need to be aware of things. You know, I, I just went to, I guess it was January, February. I just went to the professional photographers conference. And my only goal was to learn one new thing. If I could learn one new thing, that would be a huge difference for me because it, I learned all the easy stuff and now I have to go higher up the tree. And so if I can get to that one, you know, that next level of fruit, that's, that's huge for me. Um, and so, you know, I think business owners, right, we kind of get stuck in our ways. We just do the same thing and we're kind of on autopilot. Um, and so, you know, if you can be the change agents for small businesses without them even knowing that they need to change, like that's, that's kind of the trick, right? They don't want, they don't want to hire a change agent, but, you know, just coming in like, hey, let's just chat, right? Just very casual and just lead with that. Um, you know, what business doesn't need a fresh set of eyes to just check in on like what's bothering them or what's going good? How can we make what's good better? And how can we make what's bad a little less worse? You know, I mean, I think that's, that's huge value in that. I mean, that's what there's huge, right. That's what Anderson consulting did. That's what all these other consulting firms did was that. Um, so, I mean, there's obviously a huge market for it. Um, you know, and again, you don't have to be the best in the world at it. You just have to be the best in your market in your network, right? And who knows you to do that thing? You know, it's going to go viral. I mean, it just, it just is. 
our our kids and dogs just like barrel down the uh, down the stairs. It may mean that we're uh, that may be a sign that this podcast is wrapping needs to wrap up. Yeah, it may be a sign. <laughs> I would just say, you know, in closing, that be be nimble. It's not the big that eat the small, but the fast that eat the slow. Mm, it's be on a bumper um, sticker. And so, if you can be fast in your thinking and you can be nimble in your activity, um, you know. I think any business could could use more nimbleness and more creativity. So hire DI kids, right? Go hire those GT kids. That's what you need in your life. Well, I feel more, like more DI kids. With our age, though, we're technically Odyssey of the Mind kids. I, I was OM. Less yeah. of destination imagination. Well, kids. so yeah, so yeah, I was OM for sure. But I've I've coached DI, so I'm a little bit uh, bi creative. I don't know if that's <laughs> a word, but uh, for my listeners, go check out Ivy and Dan on Twindever, and their podcast is called Local. Did I get all that right? Yeah, we're at localpodcast.show and twindever.com. There you go. So awesome. We'll put it on the show notes. Patreon.com. Patreon, yay. Asulox, visuals, make, make, make podcast. Everybody have a great day. Uh, Go make a difference in the world. We love y'all. Wash your hands. Peace. If this is your first time tuning into Local, we like to do a little segment at the end of every episode where I turn to Dan and say, Dan, what did Dan learn? Dan? I learned we can be adaptable and we can do a podcast by Skype and we can keep doing this in any circumstances, especially the ones we're in right now. Social distancing. We might be doing the next one with masks on. Yeah.